This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful that you're here today. This is a podcast for parents or anybody helping raise kids. My hope is that these episodes will help you feel a little bit less alone and give you a little bit of encouragement in your life with kids. I am the mom of four myself and I host the podcast All Have Another with Lindsay Hine, as well as co-host the Illuminate podcast. So this is my third show, and I'm so excited to bring it to you. Today you're listening to episode 12, and I'm talking with Bryce Reddy. Bryce is a licensed mental health counselor. She specializes in maternal mental health and We jump right into some really important conversations around how to control your reactions to your kids when they make you mad, anger in motherhood, something that we all struggle with, and ways to pinpoint what our triggers are so that we know when to step back and take a deep breath and reevaluate the situation at hand. Bryce has an e-course, so a mini course over on Instagram that is a toolkit for moms who are trying to understand their temper a little bit better. Lots of great information. Make sure you check that out. Mombrain.therapist is where you'll find her. All right, and if you are enjoying this podcast at all, if you could please consider leaving us a rating and review, that would be a huge help in new listeners finding us. This is a brand new show for me and I'm working hard to make sure as many moms and dads and caregivers know about this podcast. For iTunes specifically, all you have to do is go search for the podcast, click on the podcast and scroll all the way down to the bottom and you'll find a place to leave a review. Thank you so much to everybody who has already done so. I greatly appreciate you. Okay, friends, I hope you get a lot out of this conversation. I know I did. Enjoy my conversation with Bryce Reddy. Well, today on Why Is Everyone Yelling, we have Bryce Reddy on the show. Welcome to the podcast, Bryce. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited to have you join us today. And man, we're going to talk about something that I think a lot of moms and dads struggle with in the world. We're going to be talking about a little bit of anger and motherhood today. Can we get started, though, with just hearing a little bit about how you got into the business of therapy and working with mothers and children? Sure. So I'm a licensed mental health counselor and I specialize in maternal mental health. Um, But I've been a better uh, therapist for a little over a decade. So I've done a whole bunch of things prior to this. I worked in addiction and I worked with families and foster care and um, the juvenile justice system. So I've done a little bit of everything. But when I became a mom, I had a super rocky entrance and that really inspired me to want to focus my work on motherhood because I feel like, you know, as mothers, we have so much, so much to offer our kids and kind of how the rest of their lives go in this short period of time. And it's not an easy adjustment. So to make it as smooth as possible, I was really motivated to kind of meet mothers where they were in this early motherhood time period and just help them out a little bit and and help me out in the process as well. 
Yeah, you know, that's interesting when you mentioned the the short amount of time that we have them, because when you first become a mom, <laughs> I think that so many parents can relate to this, those like endless hours in the middle of the night where you just feel like time is frozen and nobody else is awake mm-hmm. but you. And it's oftentimes such a lonely feeling and you do feel like, um, is this ever, am I ever going to be out of this moment and at the same time you're cherishing it and you want it to be frozen but it seems never ending so um you know as my kids get older my oldest is eight I very very much am feeling that oh my gosh we're at eight years old Mm -hmm. you know like we're almost halfway there it's crazy it is it's so crazy you know and I uh, in all honesty I don't think I ever had that like I want to freeze my moment in time with my oldest you know my son was born and he was premature and he screamed literally 24 hours a day it felt like the first year of his life and I remember during that time thinking I can't wait for him to be six Mm. and for some reason six felt like this magical age to me where things would just get like easier and better and I really wanted him to be six and now he is six and I'm like oh my god he's getting so big just like (laughs) you said and it's amazing that kind of transition that happens that you know it can feel like time is so still when he was screaming 24 hours a day and now he's just like the coolest dude at six and I'm like oh no stay this size and I just love you this way and it's it's really just such a so many conflicting emotions throughout motherhood. Yeah, I I look back to the different experiences I have with each of my babies. I have four. And Mm -hmm. the first one, you know, everybody always asks this question when you have multiple kids. Like, what was harder? The transition from zero to one, one to two, two to three, Uh three to four, whatever. And it's zero to one for me. I mean, right. Like, because all of a sudden, like your boobs are filling up. Everything Mm -hmm. is hard. You've never had that kind of sleep deprivation in your life. I was Mm -hmm. constantly paranoid that he was going to die of SIDS. And Mm -hmm. it was just a never ending feeling like hardcore anxiety. And with each child though, my life got more complicated and busy and stressful in different ways. Like hands down that transition man, that was tough. Oh, totally. And I, that comes, that question actually comes up all the time. So I do these weekend polls on my Instagram stories. And the question that comes up all the time is what was harder? Like you said, zero to one or one to two or zero to whatever, you know, like they have all of these questions because people are always like, what's it going to be like? (laughs) You know, like this was really hard. How is it going to go? And you know, I felt the transition from zero to one was so hard. And I loved, you know, one to two, I felt very, it felt very easy for me. But um, it is, I think you're so right about that. You know, each step has its own challenges. But I think that zero to one really kind of like knocks your socks off. Now you I, I saw on your website that you had uh, a little bit of a rough road getting to motherhood with infertility and loss. And do you think that that has anything to do with why you're so passionate about working in this field now? I think it does in a way. I mean, I think my infertility, my infertility journey was kind of its own thing. You know, it was something, it was a really painful part of my life of really wanting to be a mom. And at that time I was working with families and, um, it was just really hard to feel like I was, seen as something different because I wasn't already a mom and it was something I really wanted and really struggling with that. And then when I finally did become a mom, I dealt with postpartum depression and I had a, you know, a son that screamed all the time Mm -hmm. and it was just like a rocky road. And, you know, 
it was that part of it, the postpartum depression and those feelings of isolation and all of those things that I just really felt unprepared for that I think motivated me to want to become a mom or not want to become a mom, want to work with moms rather, Mm -hmm. you know, that I wanted, I wanted to talk about all this stuff that I felt nobody else was talking about. And now that I'm in this field, I know that there are other people talking about it. And I just wish I had, it was easier to access for me. And that's one thing I love about Instagram is that I think it's actually becoming easier to access this information. So women can feel, or mothers can feel less alone in this transition. Yeah. I've tried to explain this to my husband quite a bit. And I, when I, when my younger ones were little, I was pretty much a full-time stay-at-home mom. I really didn't have childcare. And it's it's like the weirdest feeling when you are home with your kids all the time and though you're never alone, you feel so lonely and uh-huh. like you can hug them and love on them and you, you feel that, but like there's this like connection to the outside world that you're looking for. And especially, uh-huh. man, to, to all the moms or dads that are doing that right now with their first time during this pandemic when you can't just like throw your kid in the stroller and go to the children's museum or something Uh like that you know like that's got to be really tough right now but it's just that's the strangest feeling to feel lonely when you're with other humans yeah I agree with you and I think there's also like a little grief aspect to it right as well you know that we're kind of leaving this old life behind where we had very full lives, you know, whether we worked or we were seeing the same people every day in our comings and goings, and it was much easier to access friends. And now we're kind of home and kind of adjusting to this new world where someone needs us 24 seven, but isn't necessarily able to talk to us or, you know, relate to us as our, what we view as our, maybe our old selves. So it is, it's really tough. So I'm curious, coming off such a long road to motherhood with the infertility and the loss and then getting thrown into it and feeling like, man, this is so hard and all those feelings of frustration. Looking back, how did you manage that and what's your advice to someone? Because it's like you have this gift that you've wanted for so Mm. many years and now it's so hard and you're grateful, but like you feel crazy sometimes, right? Yeah, Mm, definitely. I felt actually a lot of guilt about it because I did leave behind a lot of friends who hadn't had children yet. And um, a lot of my support network, my infertility support network, who had not ended up having Mm -hmm. a child at that time. And I did have a lot of almost like survivor's guilt, as Mm -hmm. they say, Mm -hmm. you know, that I've kind of walked out of there and I should feel really grateful, but I was crying all day long and I was really depressed and I was really unhappy, um, but simultaneously very grateful. Um, And for me, a lot of it was also grieving all that time. I felt like I had lost during my infertility Mm -hmm. struggle. Like I was so grateful to have this little person, but I wish it had come sooner. And so I was kind of just balancing a whole bunch of different emotions at that time and trying to make sense of them all, which was a lot to do when my brain was kind of dealing with a lot as well. And my body was dealing with, you know, adjusting to motherhood and breastfeeding and healing. And it was just a lot. So I think that there is just a whole bunch of feelings that come with that. Yeah. So what would be, you know, if a mom were to come to you and talk to you in that situation that you walked through, Mm-hmm. What are steps that you you would like guide them through to work through those emotions? I really just think 
having acceptance of all feelings is Mm. where we have to start, you know, that, you know, I was really stuck personally. And I think a lot of the mothers I've worked with in the past get stuck in how we think we're supposed to feel. I'm supposed to feel like this is the happiest time of my life. I'm supposed to feel that my, I'm madly in love with my child. I'm supposed to feel all these things. And we get stuck up in how we think it's supposed to be as opposed to how it really is. And I think the biggest thing we can do is just sit with ourselves in, in our emotions and in our feelings and in our reality that it's okay to feel whatever we're feeling. I'm allowed to feel guilt and gratitude and sadness and all of these things mixed up into one. And there's nothing wrong with any of it. I love that. That's so good. Um, and I and I feel like I hear myself telling my kids that sometimes. And the mm-hmm. more I kind of research this, how I'm reacting to my kids' behavior mm-hmm. when they do things where they act super angry and things like that, I find myself kind of hammering at home like, it's okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay mm-hmm. to feel happy. And, you know, those things that we tell our kids, we have to tell ourselves that too. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's so much easier to tell our kids, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I know like it's for in my own little world, right, with my two kids and who are, are both big feelers. They both are very like loud in how they express their emotions, which is something I love about them. But it also can be really hard when like tensions are running high and you have someone screaming. Um, so it is. It's it's very easy to tell them that. And it's, I think, helpful for us to be able to be that parent for ourselves as well and remind ourselves of those things when we feel ourselves getting fired up. Okay. So this is an obvious question, but where did the name, how did you come up with mom brain therapist? Yeah. I don't even know how I came up with it. Actually. <laughs> I used to, I had other handles before this, actually. I think I had two other handles. So my account on Instagram started as a, um, as a miscarriage account actually. Mm. And then it evolved into more of a maternal mental health piece because that's who, what I was happier talking about. Mm. And, um, so I really just, you know, I think our mom brain is, gets a lot of flack, uh, you know, flack sometimes, you know, people think, oh, I have mom brain. Mm-hmm. I can't remember anything, but our mom brains are actually really powerful things. They're super resilient and they're super resourceful and they're always changing and growing and, you know, supporting all these other people. And so I wanted to, you know, mom brain felt really strong to me and I wanted to kind of take away that other aspect of it or not focus as much on that kind of lackadaisical aspect that I think it gets used for and, and focus on the, on, on the strengths. I love so that. that's why I just combine it with the therapist piece. Yeah. I love that. Now you used to work in a clinical setting in an office. Now do you do all your work on at home online? I do. Yeah. So I used to have a uh, private practice and I worked in agencies for years, which is like kind of what therapists do. We all have, Oh, it seems like so many therapists have like 10 jobs too. <laughs> um, so we're all doing a billion different things cause we're often contractors. And now I work completely online. Um, I have worked with people, parents, mothers, especially on their tempers through a mini course I have through Instagram. And I also do coaching for, um, parenting helpers and parenting experts who are trying to transition onto the Instagram space. So I do a little bit of everything. And, um, I think it's just amazing that going from, I used to see 40 clients a week in my offices. And now the fact, the idea that I get to talk to like thousands of people every time I post or through my stories and through my DMS and help people in this really different and unique way has just been this amazing shift for me professionally. 
That's so cool. Okay, let's talk about the temper thing. I'm I'm super intrigued by this. I've been really working on the anger management and temper. Uh, probably, I would say, I've been really focusing on it the last three three years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what's first of all? What's the course? What it, what all does it consist of? It's just a mini course. So it's really just the basics of understanding your temper, understanding your triggers. And like learning a new strategy for moving through those moments when you find out that you're a little fired up. And then the final module is about um, repairing with our kids because we are Mm -hmm. always going to lose our temper with our kids. Mm -hmm. The goal is not perfection and saying like, I'm going to be this zen out mom 24 (laughs) hours a day, like just handling it all with like grace and ease because we're not robots. We're human beings, right? I'm going to get overtired. I'm going to be hungry. I'm going to have a bad day. And every once in a while, I'm going to like freak out on my kids. And I say that as a therapist who is like, you know, people are like, oh, you probably never yell at your kids. I'm like, well, actually, I'm like, I'm a human being, you know, even just this morning, I was frustrated, you know, with my kids trying to get out of the house. And I think, you know, a lot of people can relate to that. So, you know, I think, um, that is the goal, you know, progress, not perfection when we're talking about our tempers. For sure. Okay. So let's talk about what these triggers are. I know for me, a huge temper trigger, and I'm, I know this is other people have this issue too. I mean, when my kids throw the pillow cushions and the couch cushions okay. off the couch, it is like this so out of control <laughs> madness that I feel because I feel like I am putting those dang pillows back on the couch 900 times a day and it's such a silly thing but it drives me bonkers right so so let's talk about these triggers that people have some other triggers I have are definitely bad words which Mm -hmm. when I think about that it's it's silly because where did they learn their bad words they (laughs) probably from me you know like that's where they heard the f word and Uh, Am I proud of that? No, but it's true. So when I get over angry at them for using that word, it's like, but, but you taught it to them. So you Uh can't really come down on them. And then I find myself being horribly embarrassed when I'm somewhere and my five-year-old drops the (laughs) F-bomb. And I think, oh my gosh, these parents are probably thinking she better put him in his place. But I know that like that totally came from me. So me putting Mm -hmm. him in his place doesn't really make sense. So, you know, in that way, in in an angry way. So, yeah, let's just talk about triggers and, and ways to work through them. Okay, definitely. So triggers can be just about anything. And I think that, like you mentioned, like throwing the couch cushions on the floor, like that's something that is definitely unique to you, right? But probably a bunch of other people or parents listening to this are like, oh yeah, that would totally get me. (laughs) And it might not be something that bothers me at all, right? Like it's not even on my radar. So all of our temper triggers are things that are unique to us, but universal in a way, Mm -hmm. right? And so when I work with parents on their temper, I actually give them this huge list to go over because it can be so eye-opening to recognize the vast possibilities of what triggers are. Mm And the best thing we can do, I think, is to just be observers of ourselves, which is what I hear when you were talking about the the F-bomb story, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like to notice the things that we're finding ourselves being super reactive to and get curious about them. So like for me, I, you know, I was talking about this morning, I get super impatient when my youngest doesn't want to wear a coat or her rain gear to preschool. And I feel like every single day I'm dropping her off like in leggings and, a, you know, a long sleeve shirt because that's <laughs> what she wants to wear. And everyone else has like, you know 
foul weather gear on. So, and then you're wondering if all the other parents are like, why doesn't she have a coat on her kid? Right. Right. (laughs) So, and it's ironic because, you know, my daughter is like super speaks her mind and she's super independent thinker. And that's actually like one of my favorite traits about her, Mm. but not at eight o'clock in the morning when I'm like, please get your coat on. We have to go. Right. So like you, if I get curious about that, I might hear that inner voice inside of me telling me that she should be listening to me. Why isn't she paying attention to me? Why does she care what I'm telling her what to do? Or all the other kids show up with their ring gear on. What will people think of me? Mm-hmm. Right? Will the teachers think I'm a bad mom? Will the other parents be like, oh, there's Bryce again with our kid <laughs> in like, you know, leggings and it's 20 degrees out. So in the end, it's less about her. And it's more about all of these stories and expectations I that are in my head and firing me up. Right? Mm-hmm. And if I can show some like curiosity and awareness of those stories that are in my head about it, it kind of takes the edge off a little bit, right? You know, and helps me calm down those buttons that are being fired up. So when trying to figure out these temperature years, we can like get curious about the story beneath the surface, what's really happening, and figure out what this trigger is trying to teach us. And then what do we do with that? You know, so like, say that the F-bomb thing, is it trying to teach me that I need to watch my mouth? <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. So I think we can like just respond to it in a different way. So maybe it's like just trying to say, you know, why is this bothering me so much? Is it bothering me because like he says that word or is it bothering me because I think other people are going to know mm-hmm. I swear, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. what's what's the real feeling behind it? Is that, that it's embarrassment? Like you said, embarrassment was something you used before and really what we can, we can do about that. How do we really want to respond to it? Do we want to just say, I really just, you know, that's an adult word. That's not a kid word. I need you to not use that word, you know, and just being able like reminding him in a, in a calm way, you know, that that's your expectation is that he's not going to use that word. Right. And, making it less about kind of your feelings that are coming through, right? That embarrassment Mm -hmm. and saying like, how can I proactively respond to this in a way that feels good? Yeah. You know, another word, another thing here at our house that I've been hearing out of two of my kids is I hate you. Mm. And that really triggers me because that I'm, I'm certain they haven't heard from me and Mm -hmm. it just makes me really sad so, yeah. but then when you act with anger from hearing mm-hmm. angry words, it's like, okay, like how, how do I balance that? Because I just think, oh my gosh, I try so hard to create this like happy, loving, fun home. And then to hear angry kids saying things like, I hate you. It's mm-hmm. just like, man, that pulls me down hard. Right. Definitely. Yeah. I've had, my oldest has kind of gotten into that phase at that, you know, that age range, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so they have that kind of, and you know, they know that there's a lot of power in that mm-hmm. word, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe they're feeling a little powerless. They're feeling just really angry with you. And, and then they're like, I'm going to hurt you right mm-hmm. now. And I know these words that are going to do that. And kids are smart, right? They've had all these years, you know, my oldest is six, like you said, your oldest is eight. And they've had eight years or six years to get to know all of our buttons mm-hmm. and how to push them. And for whatever else is going on for them right now, too, they're obviously not in a good place when they're using that kind of saying those kind of things that they need some help as well. So, you know, I always just try and respond to those with like, you know, 
I know that they don't mean it, <laughs> you know, like that I know my kids, I know they don't hate me and I know you're, I'm sure your kids don't hate you, right? That they're trying to hurt your feelings. And if I can respond and say, you know, I hear that you're really angry right now and I always love you even when you're angry with me and you angry even when you're mad at me and you, you can let me know how I can help you feel better right now. I love how I can response. help you feel less angry and really just kind of take, not taking it personally. Right. Yeah. And this, like you said, the story in our head is I work really hard for you. And I, I relate yes. to that. Right. Like yes. I am a good mom. Like, <laughs> hello, you know, what are you, what are you mad about? Right. And, but turning it, that's about us and kind of looking with taking that in saying, I hear that they're allowed to be angry with me, right? They're trying to hurt my feelings because of something, whoever knows what that is and reflecting it back to them saying, you know, diffusing the situation with like, I hear you. I hear that you're really angry with me and I always love you. And, you know, let me help you. How can I help you? And sometimes they're going to like stomp their feet and run away. But, you know, that's what the kind of language we want to allow there is acceptance of that anger and, allowing it. You know, I really, I love that response. And I I also, it's making me think of the idea that um, it's not that I want to be a pushover mom and let my mm -hmm. kids just run rampant and say all these awful things. But I think a lot of times as parents, we have these expectations of our kids that they should have adult emotions and they have mm -hmm. kid emotions, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. so, yeah, like when I hear that and I'm taking it personally and my feelings are hurt, well, I need to remember that like, this, it's not my husband saying that to me right. or yeah. my sister. It's my yeah. five-year-old. Right. Who's trying to, you know, tell you something, you know, maybe not tell you I hate you, but say like, I'm really mad at you right now and I'm going to hurt your feelings or I need like, or maybe even just viewing it as them saying, I need help. Like, you know, no one likes to feel like that. Even us, mm -hmm. like no one likes to feel angry. No one likes to feel out of control. No one likes to be yelling at other people. It doesn't feel good, you know? So it really is them asking for help in a way. And it just comes out as I hate you. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, that, and, and I, I say that to my kids and I, I still don't know, like, is that the right thing to say? Cause a lot of times when they're screaming, I'm like, does that feel good to yell like that? That can't right. feel good. <laughs> like it's making my head hurt. Can't make, you can't feel very great doing that, mm -hmm. but I still right. don't know if that's always the right response. Yeah. Well, sometimes we can just be like observers, right. Yeah. And say, what am I noticing? Like, oh my goodness, you're making a lot of noise right now. <laughs> like, you know, this is really loud. And you know, we're just saying like, we're present with them. We're hearing them We're you know, we see them. So we're not turning away. We're not trying to squash it and stop it. We're just letting them know like, oh, wow, this is really loud. And sometimes when I do that, my kids will even start laughing. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, like you're right. Like this says, they're just like, they'll start giggling or walk away. Like, cause they know, you know, like I'm sitting there with them. I'm not trying to stop them. And we're just kind of letting it run its course, which is totally fine. Yeah. Another thing I noticed too, is that, um, when I'm distracted or when I'm trying, I want to get something done or mm -hmm. I'm doing something else, I'm engaged in something else. That's really when my frustration gets really, really bad with the, the bad behavior and things like that, because I'm, um, I'm like, Oh, I just want to get this done. But I know that I need to stop what I'm doing and just be physically and emotionally present and mm -hmm. like put my things Aside, And I know that that, especially in 2020 with people having kids home a lot, 
you know, virtual learning and, you know, for a while their daycares Mm -hmm. were, some daycares were shut down. Like that has been an extreme challenge in this year. And, and for parents that are like work from home, stay at home parents, like that's a hard Mm -hmm. balance to kind of strike. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm not, I don't even know if you can have balance. Right. I mean, it's just insane. It's just chaos. Right. trying to accomplish so many things. And, you know, I, my husband and I have been working from home of like everyone else for the, probably the most part for the last like 10 months. Mm -hmm. And it's been such an adjustment. So luckily our kids are at, in in-person learning at this time. And it's been a lot easier <laughs> as, but than it was at the end of last school year, but it is, it's really overwhelming. And like you said, we're that big trigger of being interrupted mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. having being doing a bunch of different things at once. And then having our kids be like, can you open this, mm-hmm. you know, box for me? Or can you change the channel or can you whatever, you know, like they, it, it can be such a trigger to have that interruption. I know right before this interview, my eight-year-old was, he was just asking me how to spell a word. And I was like, wait, don't be annoyed about that. He's, he's trying to log on to an assignment on his virtual learning and he needs to know how to spell a word. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I think I love how you said that before is like when you said I need to give them my attention and, you know, my presence and, you know, so much of parenthood is multitasking, right? We're kind of doing a billion different things at once. And even like last night, I think I was like trying to make dinner and I was setting my daughter up with like a coloring activity and I was waiting on hold with like a chat thing uh-huh. for something I had ordered. And I, you know, so my son came in, he was like, I need a cookie. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I was like ready to lose it. And it really brought me back to this idea that I recommend to parents called single tasking. You know, when you're, we're going to feel our tempers flare when we're trying to do too many things mm-hmm. at once. So when you do feel that agitation rising, I always like say like, take a bird's eye view of what you're doing right now. Look at how many different things you're doing, right? You know, I was cooking, I was setting my daughter up with something, I was getting snacks for someone else, I was waiting to see like the alert on my browser to <laughs> the person had responded, Yeah. you know, all of these different things at once. And I had to just be like, all right, what am I doing now? You know, like I got a cookie, I gave my you know son his attention he needed. And, you know, to bring it back to single tasking and say, what can, what's one, what is the one thing I need to focus on right now and try and just stay single tasking until we can settle ourselves a bit. I, that's, that's such great advice. I know the, we just got back from a trip from Florida and uh, it, we drove down there and on the way back, it's like every hour, it's like somebody different was hungry in the car. And I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, like, can I just sit in my seat and look forward for more than 30 minutes? Right. Um, and, and you find yourself getting frustrated that people are telling you that they're hungry. And I'm like, okay, they, they just want food. Like that's, <laughs> they want food. They're human. That's yeah. a normal, like, thing. And, and sometimes you feel like it's so frequent, but you're like, okay, well, I, I get hungry after like two hours usually. Yeah. Right. So having just like that little bit, using that other little voice inside of our heads, right. To say like, what is the story I'm telling myself and what would be a more helpful story? Like, oh, they're just, they're kids, they need food. And how can I help them meet their need? And while also meeting my own need for just like a moment to chill, (laughs) you know, to stare out the window and zone out or whatever. Hey friends, thanks so much for being here today. I want to let you know that we are part of the Sandy Boy Productions Network and you can follow along everything we're doing over at Sandy Boy when you go to Sandy Boy Productions on Instagram. You can find our other podcasts in the network. I'll have another with Lindsay Hine. 
the Illuminate podcast and the Up and Running podcast. We would love to have you check out any of those shows. And if you haven't left us a rating and review yet, please consider doing so. That would be a huge help in getting this podcast out to as many people as possible. And lastly, if you have any other parent friends or people you know helping raise kids that you think this would be beneficial to them, if you could simply just let them know about this podcast or a specific episode you loved, that would be a huge help in spreading the word. All right. I appreciate you all so much. Thanks for being here and enjoy the rest of my conversation with Bryce Reddy. Okay. So one of the other topics here along these lines are noticing like when we have sensitive times in our life, like noticing when, you know, if I'm about to start my period or Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, the middle of September and that's the anniversary of my mother-in-law's death. Like I need Mm -hmm. to know, well, that's for my husband more, but like know that like anniversaries and things like that can be triggers without us even like knowing that we are being extra sensitive for that reason. Oh, for sure. Definitely. So when I like to think about the cycles in our lives, I like to break it down with my, um, my clients and the people I work with in a really broad way. So I think of days, weeks, months, and years. So what can we learn by looking at these cycles? So if I'm looking at my days, I might notice that I really struggle when we're trying to get out of the house in the morning because the chaos is really stressful for me. Or if I'm looking at weeks, I might notice that Fridays I'm extra grouchy or I'm, my buttons are extra sensitive because maybe I'm really tired and I know that we have a busy weekend ahead. Mm. And if we look at the month, maybe we notice that our patience is lower around the time our bills are due or our mortgage is due. Or you know, like you said, our you know certain times of our menstrual cycle might be triggering for us. And of course, we look at those yearly cycles. So birthdays, and I think that's one thing I always like to mention is that triggers can be happy things too. You know, they're not always these kind of doom and gloom things. Birthdays, which are supposed to be this grand celebration or weddings, and those things can be you know cycle triggers as well. So. Um, loss or trauma anniversaries, uh, seasonal changes that it's now it's dark at four o'clock in the afternoon. Mm. And that can be hard for people and so much more. So our lives are really just a whole bunch of cycles. And the more we can start paying attention to them, you know, we can really learn a lot about ourselves. So, you know, breaking it down, if that, if you're at home right now and say like, let me think about my day, what parts of my day are really hard for me? Let me think about my week. What times of my week are really hard for me, my month. And then go, you know, moving out to the year. And I bet you'll get a lot of good clues that, you know, you can be more of an observer about and can give you some insight when you do notice your emotions kind of tending to be a little bit more impatient or, Mm. you know, uh, a little more frustrated or agitated. And you might learn a little bit. I guess there's two, two sides to this, like reset, but also like acknowledge that it's okay to feel like we were talking about earlier, acknowledge those, all those feelings. So acknowledge that it's okay to feel extra irritable, but you don't want to feel like that. So there's got to be like some sort of, sort of solution. Yeah. Well, honestly, like a big part of it is, is noticing it, Yeah, you know, because so often we're just on like autopilot in our lives and we're like, this is just the way I am. I'm having a bad day, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I might not be thinking like, you know what, you know, what's coming up is, you know, I had like a miscarriage this time and, you know, this time of year, 
And our bodies have a great way of remembering these things, you know, that they remember these old memories of, you know, what the weather was like or, you know, uh, what was happening in the world around us during that time. And maybe it's like, you know, dealing with that that old grief, right, is kind of coming back again. So it's really a, a lot about is, is compassion and being able to say like, you know what, like this is a hard time of year for me. I need to maybe take a little bit better care of myself or I need to really like make sure I'm getting a lot of sleep or I need to make sure that I'm getting out for a walk each day before it's dark at four o'clock or I buy myself a headlamp just so I can walk at night, you know? Um, so the more we can acknowledge and anticipate some of these kind of harder times that we have, the more we can kind of structure in either self self care opportunities or opportunities to just like offer ourselves a little bit more compassion for, for these fluctuations that we're going to experience. Yeah. And I found too, especially with my older kids, I can communicate this, you know, your two or three year olds not going to really understand this. But when I'm feeling like that, I find that if I share that information with my kids, Mm -hmm. especially the older two, they actually, you know, as long as they're not in the middle of a temper tantrum or something (laughs) like that, um, for the most part, you know, I, I even see my oldest kind of tilt his head and like think it through Mm. and I'll say like, you know, mommy's feeling really sad today. And I notice he treats me with better care. I mean, Mm -hmm. and that's, that's with exceptions, obviously. I mean, he forgets about that if he's frustrated with something and he's still going on and being a kid. But in that moment, I find that if I can just share that information, it Mm -hmm. it helps And, and with my husband as well. Right. Yeah. And that there's a lot of power in speaking that right just for ourselves, because when we speak it for ourselves, not even for the people around us, it just acknowledges it. It gives space to it. Right. And what a gift it is to our kids to be able to say that out loud, to say, like, I am feeling sad, like even parents feel sad and have a hard day. And it gives them permission in a way to do that for themselves to say, you know, I can ask for space. I can acknowledge that sometimes are harder than others. And, you know, that is something they'll take with them the rest of their lives, because that is modeling for them how to move through life and how to handle and live with our emotions, live with our feelings. So let's talk about the importance of our kids seeing us take care of those needs. So mm-hmm. For instance, I I tell my kids all the time, like, I'm going to go for a run because it's good for me. It's good for my health physically and mentally. So, and I think that's just so important for our kids not to not only see us taking care of ourselves in a physical and emotional way, but like also seeing us doing something we enjoy doing. Yes, definitely. So, you know, like that example you just gave, our kids are always watching us. So when I work with moms, I often ask how they saw their own mothers or their other primary caretaker taking care of themselves. Did they put everyone else before them? Did they have hobbies that they enjoyed? Did they go to the doctor when they needed to? And quite often their answers are all pretty similar that they didn't see these things. Mm -hmm. And as a result, they have some feelings about doing them for themselves. You know, there's some of that guilt. There's some of that. I'm a mom now. That's not what we do. You know, that's sort of those stories again, that are kind of filling our head. So if we want to change these patterns, we have to be really intentional intentional about what we want our kids to see. So if they see us investing in our health, in our hobbies, or anything else for ourselves, 
we're giving them permission in that way to take care of themselves too, both now and in the future, right? So even just modeling for my kids to say like, you know, mommy had a really long day. I'm going to go take, you know, our dog Sherman. I'm going to go take Sherman for a walk and I'm going to go by myself. You know, Mm -hmm. even though people want to go with me, I need to go by myself. And, you know, the best part about that is that, you know, even my kids today will say like, I need some time by myself. Like I need you to take my youngest is named Elliot. My son will be like, I need you to take Elliot downstairs. Like I need some alone time. (laughs) And I love that he does that, even though, you know, like it doesn't always come out like that, but I hear him telling me, you know, like he needs his space and he's like a, a pretty introverted little guy. And it's, a pretty wonderful thing, I think, to to know that at six years old and to have feel that you're allowed to do that, to say, I need a break. Give me a break. Right. And I think a lot of that comes from, you know, they're them seeing us as parents saying the same thing. So being mindful of what we're showing our kids. And I love that you said, like, I want to go for a run because like this helps me feel good. It helps my health. And and they'll remember that the rest of their lives so when they want to take permission or take space to take care of their own lives and bodies. One of the other things I saw on your Instagram, I kind of was like doing a scroll through this morning. And one of the things I saw that I loved so much was we always have the opportunity to start over and try again. Mm. And what I love about that, well, first of all, so when I was thinking of a name for this podcast, I, I loved the name a new day. (laughs) Because I say that to my kids all the time, like when they're feeling frustrated, I'm like, hey, look, tomorrow's a new day. Like everything's going to reset. It's a new day. Um, Some people talked me out of it because they were like, that kind of sounds like you're in recovery or (laughs) that you're like some hippie and you're like, it's like all Zen. They're like, I don't get, I I don't relate it to parenting. So we went with, why is everyone yelling? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, But let's talk about that just a little bit, that that reset mindset. Yeah. So I think that always, I like to just, I I feel like I always use the word permission, but Mm. that's what it is. So, you know, really giving ourselves permission to start over, to notice that things are on a trajectory that we don't want to continue and giving a chance to, to start over, to make a new plan, you know, and this is something I do with my kids all the time. You know, I'll take a deep breath or if we're both kind of struggling and a little power struggles with each other, I'll be like, I'll make a big dramatic breath Mm. and be like, all right, let's, can we start over? What can we do to start over? And sometimes we'll like put a song on to start over or when my kids were younger, I'd be like, all right, everybody in the bath, you know, and they'd go play in the bath and set reset, use water, or we'd go for a walk or we would just say, all right, starting over days new, let's pretend. And we'd be like, let's go, you know, pretend to eat breakfast again and we'll start the day over or, you know, even nap time. You know, we have all of these opportunities to put like a little, you know, bleep, like, differentiate this was before and this is after and I think that is you know a really nice way to model for our kids to that we can always shift gears you know we can always change directions we don't have to just keep doing something because that's what we were doing before and that we have the opportunity to kind of use some coping skills to to make things feel different to reset the energy Yeah, I love that just for life in general, too. We don't always have to do things the way we once did them. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. That's so good. Exactly. I agree with you. Yeah. It's just, and that can, it can feel so much easier to just kind of continue on the mm -hmm. same path sometimes and just get stuck in the muck and be like, oh, everything is terrible. And this is so frustrating. And, but to try and make an intentional shift of our energy and our, our thoughts and, you know, trying to make the best of a moment. Yeah. So lastly, I just want to hit on like, even though, we, you know, we're, we're talking about all these like ways to manage the triggers and things like that. Um, you know, that doesn't mean that it's never going to happen. Like the blow up and mm -hmm. things like that. Like you mentioned earlier, like where well, this is not about perfection. Mm -hmm. I mean, yesterday I felt like I honestly felt like I was doing everything right in the parenting world. Like, <laughs> I felt like I was giving the, the amount of tension I needed to give. And my older boys just were fighting, just fighting all day. And then when we picked up my younger two from daycare, my middle guy like gets in the car and just starts hitting me and telling me he wants Cheez-Its. And I'm like, <laughs> what, what, have, what have I done? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. I welcomed you with like, how was your day? I missed you, you know? And it's like, where are the Cheez-Its? And he starts hitting me. And <laughs> oh you know, those are the moments where I'm literally like, what the F, you know, like mm -hmm. what, what did I do? What is happening? And, um, I guess I just want to hear your thoughts on like managing that and managing when we freak out and like letting it be like we did it. We can't we can't live the rest of our lives or day guilty over it. Um, and, and, and then just like it's not that I want to accept that my kid did that, but like I can't change it. No, we can't change it. And we always have to remember, like we're the adult. Right. So it's up to us to respond in a way that, you know, how we want to, you know, as much as our kids can like push our buttons, our buttons aren't their responsibility. Mm. So, you know, we are going to lose our tempers with our kids and that's a normal part of a healthy relationship. Mm. You know, like I'm sure you and your, your husband mm -hmm. and you know, your friends, your adult friends, and your, maybe if you have adult siblings or your parents, like we are always going to get in disagreements and the same way we're going to get in disagreements with our children and lose our temper or lose our cool. And part of recovering from that is a process called repair. So we call rupture is what happens when we pull apart, right? When we become disconnected from them. And then repair is when we put ourselves back together with them. So healing and repairing the relationship. And that looks you know, different in a lot of ways, but, you know, just saying like, I'm, you know, mommy was really frustrated and then I yelled and I'm really sorry I did that. And I'm going to work better to work on my, you know, staying calmer when I feel frustrated next time, you know, just really narrating it for them and showing them what it looks like to accept an apology and also to give an apology one day when it's their turn to do so. And so, you know, it's as much for them as it is for us in a way, you know, that we're, we're giving to them, you know, our apologies and our remorse and repairing, but we're also teaching them in that moment how to do the same. I'm curious on for your, um, your mindset on then, um, you know, talking about that behavior that you blew up about, like, obviously he should, he can't, like he shouldn't be hitting me. So are you in the school of thought to like address it then calmly and say, Hey, like, that's not okay. We don't hit people. That's not a nice thing to do. And then address it later when they're calm. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, except like you said, you, we, 
kind of read their vibe. We are the experts on our kids. We kind of know what they're capable of in that moment, you know, like depending on how old they are. Right. You know, so I usually say something like, I can't let you hit me right now. Mm. You know, mommy's going to step up. I'm going to step, you know, I don't know if you were, you know, sitting in the car or whatever you were doing, which like, I'm going to stand up and stand outside right now. Cause I can't let you hit me when you're calm. I'm going to put you mm. in your car seat or I whatever, like you know, that, we're kind of just allowing their space, but we're also setting that boundary. Like you can't hit my body, you know, and that's not okay with me, which is also teaching them something good. Right. You know, being able to say like, we can't just let you hurt me and punch me. We can say like, do you want to get outside and stomp around on the pavement right now? Or do you want to go, you know, run down to, you know, the end of that, uh, those pile of leaves down the road or down the, you know, a few feet away, like, giving them other ways to say like, Oh, you have all that energy. You need to get out. You're mad. And, you know, just acknowledging it. And, but also while still setting and holding the boundary that you can't hit me. I really like that. And I think a lot of times I'm picturing, um, past times when like, I, a lot of hitting happens when you're trying to put kids in the car seat for some oh, reason, yes. right? I, I relate. Yeah. And you're in a hurry and you need to uh-huh. get somewhere and you're going to be late. But, I do love the idea of just like saying, do you need to go run a couple circles in the yard for a second or something mm-hmm. like that? And I, most of us are probably hesitant to do that because it's going to make us even later. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. But, but I mean, that's, that's also part, I, I just talked with someone else on this podcast about this, this acceptance of being late sometimes as a parent, like, mm-hmm. Yes, being yeah. late is rude, but I, I am not going to turn my whole house upside down to save five minutes. Yes. And I think that goes back to like we were talking about with the triggers, like that's the story, right? You know, is it is it so much about my kid not getting in their car seat or is it is it more that I'm going to be late and then people are going to like think I'm being rude yeah. or I hate being the person that's late. And, you know, so we start reacting to those that in our dialogue, right? When if we can say like, what can, what would help ease this along and make this a less stressful thing? Not saying like, oh, there's no rules ever. Right, <laughs> right. Do what you wish, but saying like, do you want to go run around, you know, run to the mailbox and back. And when you get back, I'll, I'm going to super fast get you in your car seat so we can go, you know, like what can we do to kind of acknowledge their need for some control or to release some energy or something. Right. While also saying, giving ourselves, some control over the dialogue we have. Like, I know I'm going to be late (laughs) and it's okay. People are late. Sometimes I'm a human. I'm imperfect, whatever, you know, and kind of just marrying those two little worlds of meeting their needs, but also changing the narrative in our own heads. Yeah. And, and so much of this, like, I, I I kind of call it positive parenting culture, whatever that I, I, I'm, I'm investigating a lot. You know, a lot of times I do feel like my husband and some parent friends think that I can be a pushover with things. But honestly, I just want to keep the peace in my house too. Like it's not about giving my kids like the, the, um, you know, like you can act however you want. It's that I don't want to be running around screaming every day. Right. Yeah. And who wants to, you know, engage in those power struggles and 
seeing a power struggle where there might not have to be one, right? Yeah. You know, I think so much of kind of that old school parenting is like exerting power over our kids, which is how a lot of us were raised. And, you know, like, I'm going to do this if you don't do blank, you know, um, and it's really easy because I think those are even for me, I like I had a wonderful childhood and my parents are wonderful people. And but the world was different back then. (laughs) Like, you know, parenting was different back then. And we've changed and evolved and grown in different ways. And, you know, I can hear those thoughts in my own head, even though I don't necessarily want to use them. Right. And saying like, oh, like, I'm going to take this away if you don't do this right now. And I initiate those power struggles sometimes. And I really have to like dial it back that, you know, my kids don't want to, you know, have a power struggle with me as much as I don't want to have a power struggle with them. You know, what's a way we can work together to reach the same goal? You know, like we said about the whole car seat situation, like my daughter really wants to sit in her brother car seat, which is not appropriate for her. And so sometimes she's like, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go run back into the house. You sit in your brother's car seat for until I get back, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, you know, and then when I get back, she like runs over to get in her car seat, you know, like, so we try and just like find just different ways to make things as, I don't want to say easy as possible, but just like acknowledging their, their wants and their needs for power and control. And, you know, independence and also acknowledging our need that we have to leave yeah. <laughs> you know like we have to go yeah so like what's a, a way we can do that in a way that feels good and and just helps everyone get get done what we need to get done I love that I'm trying so hard to walk away from like if you do don't do this I'm taking oh, yeah, me too oh yeah because like, <laughs> it's so natural too it just flows mm-hmm. out of your mouth like and and so many parents and we don't do this but so many parents do the like I'm you're not getting Christmas presents or, you know, something like right. that. And I'm like, but really, like, you're going to give them the Christmas presents. You're still going to give them Christmas. I know. I know. And it's, you know, like we said, we've all heard that. Whether we heard it in school, we heard it from our parents, we heard it from our neighbors. Like, you know, that was how the parent child or the adult child relationship always has been in, in the past. And so that's how we grew up. That's what our brains are used to. That's what adults say. Right. And it takes a lot of effort to kind of to change that in action. It takes a lot of intention to say, I don't want to use that word or I don't want to use that, you know, way of doing it. Yeah. It's like thinking of intentional consequences, but aren't that aren't things that you're not actually going to follow through with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay. Well, Bryce, this has been just wonderful. Um, What we're going to wrap up with a couple of questions. I ask all my guests. What is something professionally or personally that you'd like to do still that you haven't done? Oh, I would really just like to take my whole family on a big vacation. That's Mm. my big thing right now. Only because I think we're all feeling a real need for change of scenery and like, and something fun. But I love, you know, my siblings both live far away from me and I'd love for everyone just to kind of get together at some point and see each other in a very relaxed setting. So maybe by the beach or something like that. Oh, I love that with the whole family, like not just your immediate family. Yeah. The whole big family. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we did a trip like that with my brother or my, my husband's family and, and my three sisters in laws and his dad. And it was probably, I'm like, that was two years ago. And I'm like that memory that, and we had, um, Mm. we had a three month old and then like an almost a two year old a three and a half year old and a five year old. So we were like in it hard. Yeah. But I'm so, deep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think that's probably the deepest I've ever been in it. Um, right. 
And I am so grateful for that trip. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it's hard to travel with little, little ones, but mm-hmm. yeah, with your three and six, that that's probably a really nice spot. But like, I, I'm so grateful we did it, you know? Yeah, definitely. That's really nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the older they get, the more fun traveling. It's just going to oh, be it, it, definitely. I know. And that's, I think the whole rough spot with the whole pandemic, right? Is that yeah. our three-year-old now is in this like, like great you're not in diapers anymore. Yeah, exactly. We're like, Oh, like she's about to turn three. We had like these trips planned and then we're like, Oh wait, there's a global pandemic. So that's not so easy. So oh, I know, I know. That's what they say. Like as soon as everybody's out of diapers, no bottles, nothing like that. Mm. You know, you don't have to worry about that stuff. Then traveling gets a lot more fun. Well, it'll happen. 2021. Exactly. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> I know. Fingers crossed. What is the best, most recent book you've read? Oh, so I read this book a while ago, but I read it again recently. It's called The Bright Hour. So it's a little sad. It's actually a memoir of a young mother and she's um, di- she's actually dying and simultaneously living with breast cancer. Mm. And it it just gave me such a perspective shift about how I move through my life and, you know, the concept of gratitude and, you know, just being where I'm at. And I read it a while ago and I've read it, like I said, I've read it a few times since, but I think of it all the time. You know, there's so many different like great images from the book that she gives and it just changed me in some way. And I, I recommend it all the time. So it's called The Bright Hour by Nina Riggs. Okay. And what is, do you have any book recommendations for kids that you like to recommend? Oh, I do. I have two favorites. So my first one's called Giraffes Can't Dance, which I think is a pretty popular one. And I'm pretty sure I have it memorized at this point. Um, And my other favorite is a book called No More Elephants. And I think it's actually from like the 80s or even older, but somebody gifted it to us for our firstborn Mm. at our baby shower. And it's like a paperback book. It's like tattered and it's just a silly little book. And it just, my kids love it. And it has such happy memories for me connected to it. I love that. What, what is your message that you want to leave with our audience today? Oh, um, that's always so hard for me to come up with, but I was thinking, you know, feelings have to be felt, not fixed. Mm -hmm. And I want you to remember that for yourselves, but, and for your kids, you know, so it can be so tempting when we talk about things like anger and tempers to make it feel like it's bad. And it's something that we have to make go away or to fix or problem solve around. But reality is that we just need to feel our anger and to understand it so that we can move through it and model that for our kids and coach our kids through that process for themselves as well. I love that. That's so wonderful. Thank you so much, Bryce. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Okay, everybody. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Bryce, for coming on the show. I super appreciate all that you shared with us. Again, you can find Bryce on Instagram. She is mombrain.therapist over there. You can find us on Instagram. We are why is everyone yelling? My personal account is lindsayhine626. I'd love to connect with you in both places. We also have a Facebook group that has a lot of great connecting and ways to get to know other parents who are following along with this show and just looking to do the best they possibly can in this parenting journey that we're all on. And I just used the word journey. And as I was saying it, I was like, don't use the word journey, but I did. And that's what it is. That's what I said. I couldn't think of a better word. So there you have it. Parenting journey. Uh, All right, friends. Thanks for being here. Have a great rest of your day. And we will see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?